Welcome to the Early Roots Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Roper. In this episode, we are going to dive deep into the Moro reflex. The Moro is the infant fight-or-flight response, and this reflex should disappear in infancy, and then it's replaced with a more mature adult startle reaction. But when this process doesn't happen and children keep that moral reflex, it causes big problems with the way that the rest of the brain and body develop. Now, if you aren't familiar with primitive reflexes, you may want to check out my first podcast to learn a little bit more. But in a nutshell, babies are born with a set of reflexes called primitive or infant reflexes that should disappear within the first year or so after birth. And there are a lot of things that can happen during pregnancy, birth, and the early infancy stages that interrupt this process and prevent these reflexes from developing and integrating properly. When that happens, what you see is kind of a negative domino effect of poor development that happens to parts of the brain and body. And the most common retained primitive reflex that I see is the moro, or the infant fight-or-flight response. And not only is it the most common, but it's definitely the most problematic, which is why I want to dedicate a whole podcast to looking into this reflex and how it impacts kids. So let's start with normal development. Um, Our fight or flight, well really our fight, flight, or freeze system, goes through several transformations during our early life. And each of these transformations correlate with three different reflex stages. That's intrauterine, primitive, and postural. And our intrauterine reflexes develop early in pregnancy. Then they're replaced by primitive reflexes long before birth. And then our primitive reflexes stick around for the first year or so after birth. And then they're replaced with postural reflexes. And our fight-or-flight system goes through transformations at each of these stages, and you can kind of see what stage it is in by looking at what reflex is present. So at the intrauterine stage, we have something called the fear paralysis reflex, or FPR. And then at the primitive reflex stage, we have a moro reflex. And then at our postural stage, we have what we call an adult startle reflex. And each of these stages produce a more sophisticated, more mature response to stress and to the environment. And it's important to keep in mind that the stress response is is very dynamic. It can be easy to kind of look at reflexes with a very black and white lens. And in general, we think of reflexes as very black and white. They're either on or they're off, and the reaction is the same every single time. And there are a lot of reflexes that work like that, but these startle reflexes are a little bit more dynamic. They exist on more of a spectrum, and you can see variations in both their intensity and their frequency. And the startle reflexes in particular are unique because even though each one is very distinct, they give way to a more advanced version of themselves, and they are extremely important in helping us to develop an advanced, dynamic stress response system. And there are things that happen during pregnancy, birth, and infancy that interrupt this process that prevent these reflexes from developing and inhibiting properly. And I will do another podcast where I get into all of these things Um, all of the things that happen during these stages. But for just now, know that it's possible for kids to get stuck with an immature stress response. And this leads to all sorts of problems with brain and body development. So 
Let's look at each of these stages. The fear paralysis, or FPR, is characterized by a whole body withdraw and freeze. And it is theoretically possible for children to get stuck at this intrauterine level and keep their FPR. Um, I have worked with children who I strongly suspected still had this reflex. And I say strongly suspected because as far as I know, we don't have a super accurate way of testing intrauterine reflexes in children after birth. Now, I could be wrong about this. It may just be that I haven't learned it yet. Uh, What we do have is a long history of testing primitive reflexes, mostly in infants, but we also have strong clinical standards for assessing these reflexes in older children and adults. And as far as I know, we don't have the same standardized way of assessing intrauterine reflexes in older children and adults. I have seen a lot of information available on Google and YouTube about assessing intrauterine reflexes. I am very hesitant to give those tests too much credit because I also see a lot of bad information about assessing primitive reflexes, and we have good clinical norms for those. So if you're out there looking online and you're considering trying to test your child, just be careful with some of the things you might find. Now, that doesn't mean that we should disregard the FPR. I have worked with several kids who I strongly suspect had this reflex, and I always tailor their treatment plan to account for it. And the reason that I suspect that this reflex is present is because these kids tend to have an extreme freeze response to stress. They usually have very intense anxiety and kind of a host of other symptoms that go along with that. Now, more commonly, you will see this process get interrupted at the primitive reflex or moro level. And if you've ever spent much time around a newborn, you've probably seen this reflex. So when the moro is triggered, the baby's arms will flail out, they'll take a deep breath in, and then their arms will grasp forward. If it's a particularly strong reaction, you'll also see their legs flail out and then grasp forward as well. Internally, there's also a physiological stress response that happens. And children that get stuck at this stage have a lot of problems with brain and body development. I'm going to go into a lot more detail about each of these areas in just a minute, but you'll see problems with emotion regulation, sensory processing, focus and attention, social development, and physical health. And then the last stage of our stress response development is the postural stage. This is where we develop a mature startle reflex. And there are a few big differences between this reflex and the moro. The first is that the adult startle reflex is a lot less sensitive. So it's a lot harder to trigger that. This can be easy to see if you spend any time around newborns. They are very sensitive to changes in their environment, and we kind of intuitively know this. We're very gentle with them. We tend to shield their ears from loud noises and cover their eyes if there are bright lights, and we handle them very gently because we know that they tend to overreact when they're bumped too quickly. The second big difference is that our adult startle reflex has connections to other parts of our brain that help us to evaluate a situation and then respond in an appropriate way. What you see when somebody is startled would be an initial jump, and then they orient to whatever triggered that response, and their brain does a quick but complex calculation of the environment. If there's nothing to be concerned about, higher parts of our brain actually work to suppress or mitigate our stress response and our body calms down. 
the moral reflex doesn't have those same connections to the rest of the brain. Now, it is important to know that just because someone has an adult startle reaction doesn't mean that they have a healthy or mature stress response. Appropriate responses are something that we learn as we age. A young child who is developing normally will obviously have an immature but age-appropriate reaction. There are also plenty of older children and adults who have a dysfunctional adult startle response. And it's really important to know where a child is in this process because that will determine what treatment plans are most appropriate. If a child has an FPR or Moro reflex, then the focus should be on integrating those reflexes first before working on more traditional ways of treating anxiety and emotional dysregulation. So let's talk about what happens in the brain and body when the Moro reflex doesn't integrate properly. In order to really understand this, we have to look back at the purpose of the Moro reflex. It is important to know that babies are born at a very early stage of development. Humans have very large heads and relatively small pelvises, and we have to be born quite early in order to fit. Most other mammals are born at a much later stage of development. So really, you have to think about the first six to nine months after birth as being kind of an extension of the fetal stage. At birth, human babies are very helpless. They rely completely on primitive reflexes and other people for survival. And the moro is one of our main survival reflexes. It helps babies make the transition from fetal life to infancy, and then it helps keep them safe during those early stages when they don't have very much control over their own body. So here's kind of an example of this. Um, Prior to birth, babies rely on their mothers to regulate a lot of their body systems. So breathing and digestion are kind of the obvious ones. And they are also encased in a person and suspended in fluid, and all of their sensory experiences are dampened by this. Then right after birth, they are thrust into a world where they have to take over their own body function and adapt to the full effects of noise, light, touch, gravity, and everything else. And some of those transitions like breathing happen immediately. Other transitions like adapting to the sensory world take time. But in both of those cases, the moral reflex plays a very important role in helping the baby to transition from one stage to the next. And then shortly after birth, you see an explosion of brain and body development. This happens in a very orderly and systematic way. And even though we like to look at the brain and body systems all separately, that's not really how they work. They all kind of develop and work together as a whole. And so when this process is interrupted, you see consequences in a lot of different areas. So keep in mind that a child with a retained moro doesn't have the right tools to function in a normal environment. They live in a world that is too loud, too bright, and too busy, and their body overreacts to everyday experiences. And as you can imagine, this takes a big toll on how their brain develops and functions. And one of the biggest areas that you see is the development of emotion regulation and maturity. I tell families to think about their child's stress cup as constantly full. It doesn't take nearly as much to tip them over the edge. And this leads to a lot of problems with things like frustration tolerance, anxiety, anger, flexibility, empathy, and emotional maturity. 
And you see kids cope with this in a couple of different ways. The first is more of a flight reaction. So these are the kids that are very anxious. They tend to shy away from the world. They have a lot of irrational fears. They avoid social situations. And oftentimes as they get older, they develop obsessive compulsive tendencies. Other kids react with more of a fight response. So these kids are angry, defiant, they're often hyperactive and excitable, and they tend towards being controlling in social situations. Now, most kids are going to display elements of both of these two sides, just depending on the situation. But all of these kids have big emotional reactions to small situations. They take longer than average to calm down, and they struggle to develop self-regulation skills. I have worked with many kids who are extremely intelligent and even highly aware of their own emotions, but they still struggle to engage any sort of coping skills. Another big area that is impacted is our sensory system. So our brain relies on our body to provide it with all of the information about ourselves and about the world around us. It is constantly receiving information from our eyes, ears, and all of the nerves in our body, and it helps our brain make sense of our world. This gives us our perception, both of our internal body and of the world around us. And in normal development, our brain learns what is important and what isn't, and it does a very good job of filtering out irrelevant information and then bringing important information to our attention. Children with a retained moro often struggle to do this well. They regulate sensory information in an immature and dysfunctional way. And most of the time you see the children who are hypersensitive to sensory input. These are the children who startle with loud noises, they don't like bright lights, they're picky about food and clothing, and they get very overstimulated in busy places. Other kids tend towards being hyposensitive. These kids have the TV turned up to a ridiculous volume and don't notice. They may be oblivious to what's going on around them, and oftentimes they're even emotionally flat and unruffled by things that should warrant a reaction. And most kids have some combination of both of these types of symptoms. This also affects other areas like focus, attention, and energy regulation. So some of these kids are very distractible. Their attention is constantly jumping from one thing to the next. Others get hyper-focused, and it can be hard to engage them in the world around them. Some kids are very hyper. They treat their stress response like an adrenaline rush and get wound up and excited. Others are more lethargic and low energy. The next area you can see problems in is social engagement. Most of our interactions with other people are nonverbal up to 90% of our communication, in fact. And children with poor body awareness often struggle to understand other people's nonverbal cues. Children who are anxious or depressed tend to read facial expressions as more negative than they are, so they misinterpret the feelings of other people around them. Some children are hypersensitive to the feelings of other people, but they struggle to separate other people's feelings from their own. Also, children with explosive reactions are often less liked by their peers and the adults around them, and this can really add to a self-conscious, anxious spiral. I see a lot of social problems with things like eye contact, attachment, 
difficulty making friends, and social interest. And I have seen a lot of progress working with children on the autism spectrum on this front. A lot of times their disconnection to the world is a coping mechanism for being unable to process all of the environmental and social stimuli that they're receiving. And lastly, there are physical consequences to consider. Children with a retained moro experience excessive amounts of stress hormones. This negatively impacts things like sleep, digestion, and the immune system. It is very common for kids with a retained moro to have other physical symptoms like asthma, allergies, eczema, constipation, food sensitivities, difficulty recovering from colds and flus, and poor sleep. When you integrate the moral reflex and give the body a chance to heal, you can see amazing physical improvements. I have worked with many kids whose food sensitivities improve, they get off allergy meds, their gut and digestive function improves dramatically. I've even seen lots of improvement with things like bedwetting and stool withholding. There's a big overlap between nervous system dysfunction and physical health, and a good chunk of the kids I work with have problems with both. Now, the physical and nutritional side of things is not my area of expertise, but I do have some great resources for families to help on that front. And as you can probably imagine, it's very common for children with a moro to have problems in a lot of different areas. I always try to look at children holistically, and we incorporate help from other people when needed. And lastly, I would be remiss if I ended this podcast without mentioning the role that trauma plays in this process. Trauma has become a buzzword in the mental health world, and recently we have had an explosion of awareness on how trauma impacts both mental and physical health. And one of those impacts is the retention of the moral reflex. So trauma experienced during pregnancy, birth, and those early infancy months can result in the improper integration of the moral reflex. The brain holds on to that reflex as a protective response to trauma. And I know I've already said it, but I will do another episode where I dive deeper into these risk factors. It will actually be my next podcast, but for now, just understand that early trauma is a big risk factor for an improperly developed stress response. Now, the good news is that even if a child still has their moro, they aren't stuck. It is very treatable. We use physical movements that target the nervous system. And integrating the moral reflex is life-changing for kids. I got into this line of work after watching my cousin go through this therapy and after going through it myself. I was always an anxious, hyper child, and as a teenager, that developed into an obsessive-compulsive disorder. I had a strong retained moro and went through therapy to integrate it as a teen, and it completely cleared up my anxiety and OCD. I work with kids every day who are going through the same thing, and I see unbelievable changes. Meltdowns, anxiety, anger, eye contact, social engagement, focus. I've seen huge changes in all of the things that I have mentioned so far, but it's not fast. Integrating the moro in particular is very slow work. I am hoping that one day there will be a much faster way of doing it, but for right now the process is just slow. And you have to remember that our moro is part of our survival mechanism. You can't just power through, do a bunch of exercises, and get it functioning properly. You have to move slowly and gently. And oftentimes when working on the moro, less is more. If we do too much and overstimulate kids, we can reinforce that response. 
the brain needs to know that this child no longer needs that response to survive, and it can move out of survival mode and into a grow and thrive mode. This just takes time and patience. If you have a child that you're concerned about, then please go to my website, earlyrootstherapy.com. I will put a link in the description. I have a screening questionnaire that you can fill out, and I offer free phone consults to go over the questionnaire and see if this program is a good fit for your child. I am based out of Colorado, but I work with families in person and remotely. I have families that I work with all over the world, and we just adapt to whatever we need. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe. I will be putting out more content regularly, and it will be easier for you to access it if you've subscribed. Thank you all for listening. I hope you learned something helpful. Mm -hmm.